the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. We are marking the end of the first week of our new branding with the same guest I had on the very first podcast episode that I did. Mr. Bob Costas joins us next. Now it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Well, it's been about a year since we had Bob Costas on the podcast, and I speak to him regularly. We text all the time. We are very different. Ah, yeah, we're pretty different politically, but we managed to have conversations, and that is why I want him on this podcast. I, I want to be able to converse with someone who doesn't agree with me on everything. I want more of that, as a matter of fact, but also to demonstrate how you can have some conversations with people uh, and still come out being friends on the other side. I mean, that's to me what we need so much more of everywhere right now. So I'm excited to have Bob back on. He's going to join us in a bit, but first from our friends at Genucel, a wonderful Mother's Day opportunity for you to save 70% off one of their most popular packages. So Genucel has you covered. It's formulated with skin nourishing antioxidants, powerful peptides in a proprietary base that's made right here in the USA. And every mom loves to pamper herself. And this is where Genucel comes in. And I'll tell you how you can order your mom something really special. It's formulated by a pharmacist with quality ingredients. Their products have helped me to diminish fine lines and wrinkles and prevent new ones from coming. And I really, really love their deep firming serum. It's got stem cell in it and it is uh, tremendous. This stuff is effective. It works. It makes my skin feel brighter and more youthful. What can I tell you? That's uh, that's what works. Right now, you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package featuring Genucel's Ultra Retinol that contains a powerful retinol alternative, safe on pregnancies and safe for breastfeeding. You'll also receive Genucel's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks that we're going to maybe are going to crop up after our long days in the summer sun outside. Plus, you'll still get Genucel's classic under-eye bags therapy for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness. With its immediate effects, you will see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. So you have nothing to lose. And the mom in your life has nothing to lose. Don't wait. Celebrate your favorite mom by going to genucel.com slash Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every package includes a luxury gift box with three free springtime essentials. So that's three free gifts plus concierge shipping for a limited time. Genucel.com slash Michelle, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle with one L and happy Mother's Day. Bob, I was saying to the audience, you were my very first guest yes. on this podcast. And now we're finishing out this first week as the Michelle Tafoya podcast with you. So I'm glad to have you back. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a change, mm-hmm. but nothing major. And and thanks for coming. So I'm bookending, really. You, you really are. Yeah, there you go. You really are. 
And we started the week with a wonderful young woman named Riley Gaines, yes. whose name I know you mm -hmm. recognize. Uh, swam at Kentucky, an NCAA champ, competed in one event against Leah Thomas. Mm -hmm. They tied and they gave the trophy at the event to Leah Thomas, not to Riley Gaines. That's just one of the many stories she has yeah. to tell about that NCAA experience. And so you and I have talked away from cameras about this whole mm -hmm. <laughs> incredibly curious wave that's being made in sports yeah. uh it, it with these with these and it's really going just seems to be going one direction it's men transitioning to women so trans women competing against women and i just want to get your top line thoughts on this as someone who's covered almost every olympic games that i can yeah. recall so you know what do you make of this? Well, first of all, you can be an open-minded and compassionate person without tossing common sense and a rational view of the world completely out the window. No person who I would be in accord with wants to see anyone treated in an unkind fashion or denied their dignity or their respect. Uh, informed medical people and parents can make can hash out the debate as to when transition is appropriate. There's an argument to be made that it shouldn't happen when a child is very young, but I don't have expertise in this area. That's just my general feeling. But if someone who is of age wishes to transition, that is his or her prerogative, and they should be treated with respect. However, when their wishes collide with the rights and the concerns of others, then it's okay to talk about that without being called transphobic. The number of cases where a man transitioning post-puberty with all of the physical advantages that that would confer on an athlete um, would be competing at an elite level with uh, competitors who were born female, that's an infinitesimal number of the people who are actually trans. But when it happens, you're allowed to say, wait a second, Leah Thomas, a year before, was like the 400th ranked male swimmer in the country at Penn. And then, for obvious reasons, she is now competing for trophies and championships and threatening records. And it's, it's almost a perverse reversal of one of the most truly progressive pieces of legislation in our lifetime. Hmm. Progressive in the best yeah. sense of the word. Progressive didn't used to mean all the way over there on the left. It meant looking forward in a, in a good and positive way. Title IX was a very progressive piece of legislation. And a personal example of that is I have one sibling, uh, a sister who was two years younger than me. She never played an organized sport, and I played plenty of them. I have a son and a daughter. One generation later, my daughter Taylor played almost as many, roughly as many organized sports as my son Keith. That's about opportunity, the chance to play. But when you get to the very elite level, then it's about competition. And the essence of sports is that the competition must be fair, which is why Sugar Ray Leonard, a contemporary of Mike Tyson, never fought Mike Tyson. Because Sugar right. Ray was a right. welterweight, maybe middleweight, and Mike Tyson was a heavyweight. It's why the high school champs don't play the college champs in your state. You know, yeah. this this is fairly simple stuff, but it is fairly simple stuff. You, you let me just yeah. stop. You used a word opportunity there because a lot of people, including 
the likes of Megan Rapino and Sue Bird have said, well, you're denying opportunities. But no, no, no. Leah Thomas had the opportunity to compete as a male. That's right. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And to suggest that you're now denying that opportunity is completely false. It's just a different... It's not to say... I mean, Leah Thomas could still compete against biological males. The opportunity is there. Is is that not clear as well? Yes, it, it would seem to me. And there, let's say, let's say that we're talking about some kid, whether or not that kid, boy or girl, has undergone hormone therapy or surgeries or whatever it may be at any stage. But we're talking about intramural sports. We're talking about mm-hmm. junior high school sports. Or we're talking about something like volleyball or soccer where the competition is not a direct physical imposition of dominance one over another. We can be open-minded enough to say, hey, let them have fun. Let them, they're kids, let them do what they're going to do. But if we're talking about an elite level of competition where the outcome matters, then you can't have the scales of competition tilted in that way. And if in the infinitesimal number of cases where that might deny Aaliyah Thomas what she views as her opportunity to compete all of a sudden with women, that, that that is really a very small part of the overall picture for trans people who should have their rights and should be treated with respect. Well, it's interesting you're talking about how small a percentage this is. And we do in this country seem to have become, this was from an earlier guest this week as well, uh, a guy named Zuby, uh, an extremely intelligent, worldly guy mm-hmm. who said, you know, in America... You seem to be obsessed with the exceptions and and like overly obsessed with exceptions. It goes mm-hmm. to all kinds of arguments. You can always come up with an exception to when the pro-life movement has gone too far, when the pro-choice movement has gone too There are exceptions to everything, but we seem to treat exceptions as though they are the most important event in that so in this Leah Thomas exception, it's suddenly being looked upon as the most important. She's the most important yeah. person in this equation. Almost as if she's carrying carrying the banner for a movement. Yeah. In fairness, right. there are some Republican politicians who have seized upon this and use it as kind of an element of fear uh, and play it up for whatever it's worth. Uh, in a state where there might be three trans athletes in the entire state, but it becomes a campaign issue. On the other hand, I've never met or spoken with Megan Rapino, but there's a difference. It's perfectly okay to be left of center, right of center, but your position should not be reflexive. And you shouldn't 
label people as transphobic or racist or whatever automatically. That's that's a way to end an argument. The, the Leah Thomas question is, is a question that can be talked about logically. It does not make you transphobic to say that Leah Thomas has an unfair advantage and that this is unfair to Riley Gaines and other women who have trained like crazy like her. Uh, that's not transphobic. Those sort of automatically disqualifying arguments. You're, you're transphobic. You're automatically racist. Does transphobia exist? Of course it does. Does racism exist? Of course it does. But to use it as an automatic disqualifier, that ends the argument. It's not a rational argument. And, and that's the intent. toxic. Of course it's the intent. That's the intention. And in fact, Riley and I talked in depth about her visit to UC San Francisco, mm -hmm. where she was in this small room and giving a, giving a speech. And she said, I had my, my share of hecklers, but I heard the others in the hallway. They then subsequently chased her down. They had to put her in a room for over three hours. Yeah. And when you, you've seen the recordings, all they are screaming at her are obscenities and trans women are real women. Trans women are real women. Well, I just make the argument, no, that's not the case because then you wouldn't call them trans women. You would you'd call them women. And, and this, this idea that people are just ending the arguments with bullhorns and shouting and, and accusations of homophobe, racist, all the rest of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what's a little disturbing, Bob. I don't know how we get out of this cycle. Do you see any way? Well, or it, it it feels right now like that's the real the, the the loudness of that is drowning out any kind of rational discussion anyone could have. It's a heat over light world uh, because that's what works. It's what works on generally speaking on talk radio. It's what works generally speaking on the partisan cable outlets wherever they may land on the spectrum. It's what works for clickbait, uh, a nuanced argument may be presented, hopefully we're having a nuanced conversation, but what now inevitably happens, it used to be just possible that it would happen, now it's a certainty that aggregators out there, and you know that the internet is filled, and also cable and, and talk radio, filled with people who don't do any reporting, they just aggregate, mm -hmm. they just pluck mm -hmm. something largely out of context, the tone, the nuance, all of it is lost, either because it's cynical and they want to get the clicks or because the person doing it is not accountable. They're not a trained journalist. They don't uh, adhere to any of those principles and standards. And so maybe just through carelessness or stupidity, um, what you took care to say is reduced at best to primary colors or at worst is completely distorted. And ultimately mm -hmm. more people will wind up seeing or reading that than see or hear what we're talking about here. It's almost... It's almost inevitable. And that's not a personal complaint. On the worst day of my life, professionally, I've been more fortunate than 99% of the people who've gotten into this. I get that. But it's still annoying that if, if you're going to take a position and someone wants to either agree with it or disagree with it in whole or in part, then start from a position of honesty. Start from what I actually said rather than what it's convenient for you to claim I said so that you can create a straw man and then make whatever point of your own you want to make. By the way, sidebar on that, mm -hmm. is it just me or are there more typos in print media today than ever before? <laughs> I think I have seen I've seen typos, I've seen 
horrible grammar and I'm not perfect, but, but I thought there was an editing process where someone went through a copy editor, went through and made sure everything was pristine. Is Uh, that no longer practice? Most websites do not have careful (laughs) editing. And then there's also a matter of speed. How quickly can I get it out there? The person may not even be proofreading it themselves, let alone a wiser head and calmer head who's their editor going through it. Well, and you know, there's this app now called Grammarly and you can see if you're, you're, I don't, you probably don't need it, Bob, but uh, a lot of students use it and it, you know, it will look at things and it'll flag things for you and then it'll make suggestions and, or corrections. And, but I had to laugh because the other day I was typing and my Grammarly app was reading it in the background and it highlighted the word blacklisted. And it said, this may offend people who's of a certain skin color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought blacklisted just meant you were put on a list. I, I didn't realize that. On the, on the other hand, you could whitewash something, couldn't you? And if you whitewash something, that's a negative, isn't it? Are we, are you offended if uh, I whitewash no, something, Bob? No, <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to know. Now you are friends with Bill Maher and Bill Maher. It's, it's interesting. Elon Musk and Bill Maher, have suddenly gone from darlings of the liberal side mm-hmm. of things to Elon's evil and Bill's, what did you tell me? Not even funny, well, un- painfully unfunny. You know, that's one of the things that irks me wherever I see it. Uh, and I guess people are in their own silos or bubbles. And so whoever's yeah. reading it or responding to it is like-minded and they don't get called out on it. But just because someone has said something that rubs you the wrong way, doesn't mean they're not good at their craft. Does, you can't deny their talent. But all of a sudden, I'm reading stuff about Bill Maher, not just that someone on the left disagrees with him because he's a classic liberal, but he's not going all the way to Wokeville, but he's all of a sudden painfully unfunny. What? Who's that I hear laughing? <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch exactly. and I'm laughing. <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm laughing. And the the... On the other hand, the right, it's almost an article of faith that Saturday Night Live hasn't been funny in years and years because they tend to lean left. But you want to tell me that Michael Che and Colin Jost aren't talented and funny? You want to tell me that Keenan Thompson, who's one of the best cast members that SNL has ever had, doesn't nail every sketch he's in? I know. You know, whether, know. whether you share Kate McKinnon's uh, politics or not, or Cecily Strong's, they were really good. And, you know, uh, we had this conversation once before. Bob Hope was really conservative. And he was in his heyday when I was in college. And a lot of my classmates would say, "Ah, he's not funny because, you know, he's entertained the troops and he was kind of a Republican. And I knew something about the history of show business and film. No, I might not vote like Bob Hope, but Bob Hope was funny. (laughs) You know, Bob Hope was in those road pictures with Bing Crosby and Dorothy L'Amour. He was funny. John John Wayne was good in Westerns. The fact that I didn't agree with everything he said doesn't make that less true. You know, and I know a lot of people have decided I used to like Bob Costas, but now not only do I disagree with him, he sucks (laughs) as a sports announcer. (laughs) I know, I know, I know I suck. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, It's, uh, that is a really interesting development, it, but it's, it, in, it, you caught my attention there when you said that this was even going on way back when you were in college. Oh, yeah. I, I did that for effect, yeah, Bob. Right. Uh, but, it. you know, I, I know we've had this kind of partisanship I, forever. I, I read a ton of American history. I love it. And 
And I see it from the, from the get go, mm -hmm. from before the revolutionary war. So partisanship has always been a sure. thing. Uh, is it just, has it just ballooned because, I, I mean, I hate to point at one thing, but social media really seems to have put us more in silos and made us all a lot more courageous when we're just sitting in a dark room typing stuff yeah. rather than having face-to-face -face conversations. Yeah, and the idea, uh, and I never bought it, was that the internet would democratize things because everybody would have a voice. Well, it's like American Idol auditions. You open it up, you're going to get a lot more crap than quality. And yet, <laughs> comment commenter number 12 who, who might be a blithering idiot on the internet has equal standing with commenter 11 who might be a Pulitzer Prize winner, although it's unlikely that the yeah. Pulitzer Prize winner actually bothers. So really it's almost self-selecting toward those who are angry or resentful. There, there's a yeah. whole lot of ignorance and it isn't re regarding what side of the issue you're on. There's just a whole lot of ignorance out there. Um, and especially if it's something that you know a lot about, Way back when, some 50 years ago at Syracuse University, I had a journalism professor who said to the class, you know, if you ever read an article, this is before the internet existed, before cable TV existed. If you ever read an article in a magazine or newspaper that's either about you or about something you know a great deal about, you're liable to be disappointed about how inaccurate some of it is, either out of context yeah. or some of it's just wrong, not as a matter of opinion, but as a matter of fact. And that was when you're talking about classic newspapers that generally adhered, generally adhered to certain standards. Now, people just make any assertion they want to make. Um, I said, well, I'll give you a couple examples. And the reason I give a personal example is as George Will, a good friend of mine, and someone that I always learn from every time I read his columns, he's a brilliant man. George Will once said he was on the, the ABC Sunday morning show, and someone differing with him said, as you just said, and George Will said, I am the foremost authority on what I just said. So, so, I, so I am the foremost authority, unless and until I become non-compass mentis, I am the foremost authority on what I have said and done. That doesn't mean that I'm yeah. beyond disagreement or criticism. But for example, when I left NBC, and there was some attention to that, it wasn't that big of a deal, but some attention, and people said, oh, now he talks about CTE, or now he talks about the IOC. And they said that, well, wait a minute. It's a matter of record that I was talking about it for years yeah. and years. That's why I'm not yeah. there anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> somebody, somebody uh, somewhere, more than one somebody said, oh, so now Costas talks about China and how they shouldn't put the Olympics in China or how LeBron and the NBA uh, are backpedaling on China. Now, after he's made all his money, now. You know when I first talked about China and the Olympics? Opening ceremony, 1996 in Atlanta. And I returned to it as often as I could. One of the differences was that in recent years, I had a show on HBO and I could do five, six minutes straight at my own discretion, which you can't do yeah. in prime time. So on the Olympics, no. so, you know, I had to work it in, but I definitely worked it in. If that was the charge and it was a court of law, all I'd have to do is bring in the tapes. Here it is, case, yep. case dismissed. Yep. The, the reason why I make that point, I'm, I'm doing just fine. 
But sometimes, even if you and I are just a, a grain of sand on the beach, a geologist can look at that grain of sand and tell you what the beach is like. And so what I just yeah. described to you, even though it's not all that important in the big picture, is an example of what happens all the time. People make assertions online, talk radio, sometimes on cable TV. And if they're in their own silo, they're never going to be challenged on it. And they make those assertions without being honest enough or careful enough to have checked the validity of it. Not the validity of the opinion, right. but the validity of the facts that inform the right. opinion. When I read the Wall Street Journal, I don't think they, they're unfactual. They may be interpreting those facts differently uh, than the New York Times does. But I, I generally trust the honesty uh, and the credibility right. of both. Online, I don't trust, trust it much at all. You know, th there has been a crisis of credibility, I'll use your word, um, and I know you are the utmost authority on what you just said, <laughs> but the word credibility is, there's been a crisis of it yeah. in the media, it's because we have seen fake news, and we have seen uh, stories that were not well-sourced, mm -hmm. that were propagated as truth or fact or whatever. And I'm, you know, all of that, in addition to what you, you mentioned, is the ignorance of so many people. And and when we say ignorant, by the way, I, I hope that's not interpreted as something like we're trying to offend people. Ignorance simply meaning people aren't well read yes. on certain topics. They're not knowledgeable of them. I have conversations all the time with people who said, really, that happened? And you're like, well, yeah, it did happen. Something that you know, I thought everyone yeah. knew about, but this one particular person didn't. So they were ignorant of those yeah, Ignorance facts. is not the same thing as stupidity. Although sometimes they right. do go hand in hand. But a very smart they, person they can. can be ignorant of certain facts or situations. But an honest, smart person, if they're going to comment publicly about something, familiarizes themselves with those with those facts. Correct. Or admits that they aren't familiar right. with the facts. Um, so if we have this combination of distrust with a lot mm -hmm. of institutions, uh, even academia, I would say, and, and, and journalism. And we also combine that with this ignorance of a lot of facts. Yeah. Um, it feels like, holy crap, where are we, where are we going? What? Where are we going as a nation? We can't even talk. And most people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And what I fear is this. There is a profit motive to being partisan or to telling your audience, your perceived audience, an audience which you've cultivated, whether it's online or radio or television, what they want to hear rather than what in good conscience you would tell them they should hear or at least should consider. Not telling them what to think necessarily, but presenting the pertinent facts, which is what journalism is supposed to be about, and then right. allowing them to reach whatever conclusion uh, they might reach. But there's a profit motive now in pushing those buttons. And the algorithms are so sophisticated, they figure out yes. what you have seen and what therefore you want to continue to see. And they'll feed you the same thing a hundred times before they'll feed you something that counters that thing even once or twice. It's it's crazy how sometimes you you look at one publication or another and the contrast is so so vivid and so stark. Yes that you ask yourself, wait, which world am I supposed to be living in here? Because I, how did they get there? And they got there. I mean, it is really, it's, it's, it's troubling to me. And mm -hmm. now, of course, we've got this 
artificial intelligence mm -hmm. part of the deal that's coming in, yeah. which could really twist things, Bob. It could really twist oh, things. I wonder sure how, how you see the, is, see that playing out or, you know, do you agree with Mr. Musk that we should take a little bit of a pause on this and figure out what the, where this is going? Cause it seems to be almost like outpacing our ability to, to rein it in. In general, I would agree with that assessment, but I don't have the expertise to know exactly how that would be accomplished. And you're honest enough to yeah. to say that, yeah. admit but, that. But I, you know, I think that th when there's a profit motive, when there's so much to be gained, it's very yeah. difficult to ask people to slow down. Uh, they're they're going to pursue their perceived self-interest rather than the larger good. And as, as I look at you here on the other side of the screen, uh, and we haven't been in each other's presence very much, although we've talked and texted and done this now twice, you and I do not always agree on things. There is much, right. some people would be surprised uh, if they're living in mm -hmm. one bubble or another, there is much on which we actually do agree. But there are areas of disagreement. But I would be up in somebody's face who said that Michelle Tafoya was not good at her job just because I disagree with her. You were great at your job. You were the best yeah. that ever did it. And more important, that you're not a good person. That's something also mm. that happens now. I disagree yes. with him or her. That his motivation isn't worthy. He's not a good person. Yeah. I will attribute to him or her character traits that, that portray him negatively, but I really have no good reason to say that about him or her, except that now they've annoyed me. Okay, so here's, yeah. you and I probably don't vote the same way most of the time, but right. but the idea that you're not a good person or that you and I couldn't sit down to dinner and enjoy each other's company and have much that we agree about, not just politics, exactly. but in the world, sports, the our world. families, our experiences, entertainment, all of, all of it, it's, that used to be not remarkable to say that. It's sort of uh, remarkable now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly the point. And I really do hope that we're in the middle of some sort of pendulum swing and that it's it's going to hit its end point so. and make its way back down. Because all of this, this picture that we're painting here together is is it's remarkably sad, I think. And I and I and you know I, I Going back to another guest I had this week, Zubi, who said, who's lived all over the world. He's lived in, in Saudi Arabia. He's lived in the UK. He's lived all over the world in America. And he said, America is by far, there is more opportunity to do something with your life in America than anywhere else on earth. He said, the most frustrating thing about your country is how you all are fighting over really stupid stuff and ruining what you've got. Well, you know, I come from, and you can vouch for this if any of your viewers doubt it because they have some sort of notion about me over the last few years that is inaccurate. I come from kind of the same place that Bill Maher uh, occupies. It's just more obvious that he occupies it now. Um, a classic liberal, if, if it meant that I believed ardently, even from childhood, in civil rights, in women's rights, in gay rights, in the general idea that within reason, government can help improve people's lives and safeguard their rights. If that's a liberal, then I was a liberal. If some of what's coming out of academia and what we now call woke, woke used to be a compliment. It meant that you were aware 
of societal injustices and concerned about them. Now, now it means whatever somebody thought of five minutes ago that discounts everything in human history prior to. Um, I always, I never felt that hoping that we could progress from where we were meant that we should discard or disrespect everything that went before was you, you can say that Thomas Jefferson and George Washington holding slaves is an example of how deeply embedded that sin was in our nation's history. We can be aware of it without saying tear down their statues because their statues aren't up there because of that flaw in, in, right. within them. Robert E. Lee's statue is a different question because even though he had valor as a person, he represented a wrong cause, a cause that was primarily about slavery. So his statue belongs in a museum. But Thomas Jefferson is not, is not um, venerated by most Americans because of his flaws. He's venerated because he articulated what became the best of what we aspire to. So it's possible as a liberal to hope your country improves and moves forward in a thoughtful way and addresses its flaws without demonizing your country. That, um, right. I, I recognize that the police need to be reformed. But what do people say when you read about the latest mass shooting, this, that, or the other thing? The cops are the ones who put themselves in the line of fire. The cops every day do helpful and in many cases, deeply courageous things. We take that for granted. To say, that, to, to say what I just said doesn't mean that I'm not aware that there are injustices and that disproportionately in some, some cases, those injustices affect people of color. You can hold two truths in your head at the same at the yes. same time. So the the notion the, the notion that in order to Bill Maher said this, we keep referring to him, that somehow the person who is angriest and and dislikes his country the most is the one who's the most concerned about injustice, the most concerned about what's wrong. No, these things are not mutually exclusive. What we have in America is a template. What I'm I'm going off here, but stop me when I should, what I should stop. But what one of the most moving things in Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, and it's not as often cited as other passages, I call upon America, maybe I'm paraphrasing, to rise up and live out the meaning of its creed. Other countries do not have something like that. Well, you can say, wait a minute, we're asking you to be more American. We're not asking you to change something that's never existed or appealing to something that's never existed. We are, we are calling you to your highest notions and ideals. We are holding you to account. That's why racism is wrong, because it's universally wrong. It, it, mm-hmm. it violates the universal principles that we claim we value as Americans. That's why the fight for women's rights fell under that. Those things can be patriotic. There's no, there's no need to denigrate your country as you try to improve your country or to denigrate its history. Flawed, yes, but in the big picture, pretty damn good. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. Perfect way to wrap up. I love it. I love it. I love it. Bob Costas, 
uh, if you can't tell people, take really kind of, you might need to squint. Look at all those Emmys in the you background. Know, I, I, <laughs> he's, got, he's got 29 of them. I said to you, I said to you, we came on, should I adjust the framing? <laughs> you said, no, leave it up this way. <laughs> leave it. I want, I want people to see all those uh, Emmy awards. I do. They got to go somewhere. And, and you'll be the room where they go. <laughs> uh you're you're doing a lot of baseball uh-huh. now or and is that for the foreseeable future through the through you October? know that's pretty much all i want to do now um i do the occasional thing on cnn and then when people say well it was on cnn but does that automatically disqualify therefore i don't say yeah. i don't Again. say wait a minute oh you you saw that on fox it couldn't possibly be true it might be you know, it might be. It, it, it yeah. might. It might. And plus, not. I'm not just because I'm on CNN to talk about sports for the most part. Doesn't mean I'm in on all the production and editorial meetings. I'm in on none of them. I come on exactly. and I, you know, so I do that on CNN. And I like to do baseball. I don't want to do as heavy a schedule as I used to. I do about 20 games a year. I'm sort of in a in an emeritus role. I'm sort of in. I'm not retired, but I'm on the exit ramp. Uh, well, you know what? The key part of that was I'm not retired and you're not and you're still covering baseball. And I have so grown to appreciate what it is about baseball that you love, because I've now grown uh-huh. up through my son's playing baseball. I'm, I've got his game on Game Changer right here. Um, He's playing he, right now? playing as we speak. He is. And, uh, I you feel know, guilty. I skipped Why it for you, Why are you talking you, to me? You should don't, be watching don't, him. Don't, I'll I'll go watch. I'll go watch. I've got many other games to see. Bob, thank you so much for the time. And always a pleasure, sir. And I hope that we run into each other physically. I would love that. Thank you, Michelle. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody, don't forget. I always say this because I mean it sincerely. Be brave and do good. And thanks for listening to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.